Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to Modern Day Legends, the show where we talk to modern day legends. Today we have Prince Arafat. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Doing good. So for, can you tell me about your journey, how you went? <laughs> okay, I'll go back a little bit. I won't go back too far. Last December, um, December 15th, my husband, his brother, and another brother had decided to go back to Gaza mm -hmm. for a visit. And in fact, his nephew, um, it's the son of his brother that was Stashad, um, was having an engagement party. And they really wanted the uncles, and my husband's the oldest. So in December, we went back, um, and I had just been laid off from my position at Southwest Tennessee Community College. Um, they didn't need me for the next semester, and I said, you know, I'm free. And he said, well, why don't you come with? And I said, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. I haven't been to Gaza for years, so let's do it. So we go, and um, I show up to the engagement party. So Sorry, stop it. What were you doing at the Texas Community College? Oh, I was, it was, it was called um, Academic Success. Mm -hmm. It was first-year students, um, first-semester first-year students. Mm -hmm. And they found out that when students come to college, sometimes they have a real hard adjustment period. Mm -hmm. They're not used to the you know, finances, making a schedule, keeping up with homework. Maybe they have a job. Um, and my job was to help these kids make that transition from high school or returning students mm -hmm. back into university life. Okay. They just found that that was much easier. So that's what I was doing. So what was like the major lessons that you uh, taught them, like tricks and tips to help with that? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was really, it was a really diverse class. I had all the way from high school kids in uh, dual enrollment. Mm -hmm. Dual enrollment students had to take it all the way up to married, had kids, coming back. Mm -hmm. And we did all kinds of things like um, adjustment in, uh, like I said, budgeting. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't really have a, have a grasp on, on how to budget and things like that and keeping track of, of um, student money. Uh, they would get grants and things like that. Or if they mm -hmm. had to take out a loan, what does that mean and all those things. Um, transportation. I had a kid that was having a really hard time trying to get to college. And I, and I said, okay, the school has uh, bus passes, you know, mm -hmm. free. Yeah. For for certain, you know, if you qualify, blah, 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 if you ask. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah. So it was just little things like that that I could help students with. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one lady was commuting from an hour away. She was commuting from Arkansas. I'm in Memphis. And she was commuting from Arkansas one way wow. because she was trying to go back and get her bat complete her bachelor's. She had an associate's, but she went. So it was just all different kinds of things. Study skills. You'd mm -hmm. be amazed how many people went through high school and, and never learned how to study properly for college. Mm -hmm. Because remember, in high school, teachers are very personable and they'll take you under their wing and they'll, they'll you know, kind of give you an, a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a help, a little bit of a that. But college, man, it's, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> you know? exactly. your, professors, your professors are like, here, study the book. We'll we'll take a test on it at the end, you know. It yeah. was, so they're just they're just not used to that, and so it was it was time management. You'd be amazed how many kids just had struggle with time management. Um, one student, she was really cute. She was very shy, very shy. Didn't say a word in class. And one day she comes up to me after after class and she goes, 
she goes, Miss, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, you know, I'm, I'm open to anything. I'm expecting anything at this point, you know, because here I am, American, wearing hijab, and, you know, so I'm expecting yeah. this really off the wall. And no, it was, <laughs> she goes, she goes, I'm going to an interview for a job. And she says, I really want the job. And she said, what can you tell me about job interviewing? And I thought, okay, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing is helping these kids get a job, yeah. you know, help pay for college and stuff. Um, because, again, the idea was that a lot of these kids were African-American, first generation, going to college. Mm -hmm. So they they didn't have the support system of mom and dad knows exactly what college is like, what mm -hmm. to expect, all those things. Or even I had Latino students. I had, like I said, married students. So it was yeah. so she she didn't have anybody to ask this question to or somebody that she didn't trust enough. So she asked me, how do I get through a job interview? And I said, you know what? I said the the most important thing in a job interview is everybody has the same, you know, they all have the same qualifications, they all have the same experience, blah blah blah, it doesn't matter. I said, the one thing that you can do to get a good job interview present, you know, presentation, get the guy to to pay attention to you is you you ask questions. At the yeah. end of the interview, at the end of the interview, they'll say, do you have any questions for us? And nobody asks, you know, they'll be like, no, I don't have any questions. You know, no, you ask questions. So she was prepared. Okay, mm -hmm. she was prepared. I had told her that and she did it. Well, Lohi, she came back and she goes, Miss, not only did I get the job, not only did I get the job, he's grooming me for assistant manager. Wow. So I'm guessing she did a lot of research on the company. Well, or just that, and the guy told her, the, the gentleman doing the interview told her, you are the first person to ask me questions. Yeah. Wow. So I've, I've, that was, that was, you know, that was the highlight of my semester. I said, alhamdulillah, I've done my job. Yep. You I've changed got one this. person's life. I did, you know, because who knows? You know, maybe she's helping her family. Maybe she's helping her mom. Maybe she, I, I have no idea what her personal situation was, but but um, alhamdulillah, I felt I like I said, I got the guy the bus pass. Mm -hmm. I got her a job. I felt like alhamdulillah, this is this is really good. But so the, the the upshot of that was, I they didn't need me for the next semester because what did I tell you? This is first semester, first year students, mm -hmm. and typically nobody joins in January, yeah. or if they do, there's very few. So they had an abundance of professors for the second semester so they didn't mm -hmm. need me because the start of the semester the start of the semester is usually in fall and second semester usually it's just continuation yeah. yeah they're just going on to their next nobody that's why i said hardly exactly. there's a few people do join in january but not very many yeah so they didn't need me so that's why i end up in going on the way to gaza with my husband and his brothers so we get there we get to a party my nephew the nephew's party and there's a funny story about that um, when I went, because I, at the time, they had told us, they didn't tell us, I don't remember exactly, but I didn't pack for a party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? I didn't pack for an engagement party. And I don't know if you know about Arab weddings or, or engagement parties, but you can't just show up in street clothes, you know? You just, yeah, sadly, no. No, no you they, can't. They take up to 11, so. <laughs> okay, so they just, you know, they got to be decked out. So my the mother of the groom took me she said don't worry she said we'll go shopping and you know okay fine we'll go shopping so she takes me to a dress shop and this is where she got her dress 
and she was going back to get it had to be tailored mm-hmm. you know she, whatever needed to be fixed so she was getting it tailored and she says I gotta go pick up my dress and you can look at the dresses and pick something if you if you want and I said okay let's go so we go to this what I call it's it's a the only word I can come up with is shishi I guess around here you call it bougie <laughs> it was a bougie bougie uh, dress shop and I'm like I don't go to these places but she she took me there the first thing well the first we walk in the door and there's a gentleman there and I mean gentleman okay man man and he walks over and he goes how you doing Mrs. Adria wait excuse me (laughs) I just got here I mean, I'm I'm FOB. I'm fresh off the boat. Okay, I don't, you know, I haven't been anywhere. This is like the second day I'm in Gaza, and this guy's going, "How you?" And and I mean, it's a man, and I'm looking at him, and he goes, "You have no idea who I am." And I said, "No, I'm sorry, I really don't." And he goes, "You taught me seventh grade English twenty five years ago." Okay, so this. <laughs> So this man's in his 30s. He's 30-something. And he remembered me, and he remembered, and I'm like, I have no idea who you are. I mean, that's 25 years ago. And he was a little kid. He was seventh grade. Unrecognizable. Alhamdulillah. But it was just really funny because evidently she had, when she bought her dress, she he said, well, okay, who's wedding in Arafat? And then he goes, oh, so you know Miss Adria? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, she was my teacher. And so... It was a setup. Mm. They set me up. Wow. <laughs> so we go. So we go to the. We had the. We had the. We had the engagement party. It's beautiful, and it gets to be about February, and we're thinking, well, maybe we should go back now, you know, because the two the two other brothers had gone back. They only stayed for two weeks, mm-hmm. and now it's February, and there's this weird thing, COVID, you know, Corona, you know, we we you know watching news and we're like oh, okay well you know we don't know yeah. and the wedding for this particular uh, nephew was going to be in march mm-hmm. so he begged us to stay till we said okay well you know i don't have a job we're not you know somebody's taking care of the house we don't need to get back so in the meantime about february i get a phone call on my phone because i'd taken my american phone and the number, regi- you know, you can see it, it registers, and it mm-hmm. said Panama City, Florida. And I'm going, I don't know anybody in Panama City, Florida. <laughs> I don't even know where Panama City, Florida is. So I just I just don't answer phone numbers I don't know. So I just let it go yeah, to voicemail. Well, that's a safe thing to do. <laughs> just let it go to voicemail. And they didn't leave a voicemail. So I figured, okay, it's just some sort of, you know, it's that car warranty people that are yeah. driving oh, home warranty. crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that was February. So the wedding happens in March. And the wedding was on March 7th. And we'd already put our names down. I don't know if you know anything about Gaza, but to get mm-hmm. out or in, you have to put your name on, you have to get permission to go in and out. Mm-hmm. So we put our names to go out on March 15th. So the wedding happens. Alhamdulillah, everybody's happy. Everybody's fine. We had a really nice party. And by now, everybody's like, the wedding halls are closing. The you know the this the that we had a we had a small wedding. We didn't have a large wedding, but alhamdulillah we had a wedding. Mm-hmm. You know with people and everything. So by about March thirteenth, they closed the border. Nice. Closed. <laughs> closed. I mean, no idea when it's going to open. No, nothing. Okay. 
and about that time and we're like what is this corona stuff you know basically what that meant was is then Gaza becomes a giant um, no-go zone or whatever so anybody coming in anybody mm -hmm. coming okay they eventually open it up like two weeks later to let people in but you had to quarantine for 21 days mm -hmm. 21 that's three weeks people had to they literally put them in hotels for three weeks and wouldn't let them in and tested them every other day and all kinds of stuff so that meant there's no corona right mm -hmm. there's no there's no COVID-19 but at the same time we couldn't get out they wouldn't let us out because they don't because they're letting all these people in and they're trying to keep and you know they're trying to keep the virus and anyway so about March the end of March ish maybe April somewhere in there I get another phone call and this is Panama City and I'm like you know this person called once before maybe I better answer it <laughs> probably you know maybe 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 there's something going on or maybe I think maybe by then he left a voice message maybe that was it so I'm like um, hello you know I don't know anything what is it you know it was back in December when I when I'd been laid off from the Southwest I you know one of those times when you're just scrolling along and oh there's a job for a principal mm-hmm Panama City Florida sounds good let's just you know send her a little email you know send her a resume and see what happens you know didn't even think about you know didn't mm -hmm. even think about it and so um manhattan manhattan i'm talking to dr rahim and back and forth back and forth i did a video interview mm -hmm. um lots of phone calls lots of questions lots of where is panama city because <laughs> actually i take that back two years prior um, my son who lives in memphis uh, for vacation brought us to St. George Island mm -hmm. okay near here okay and uh, during that vacation when we stayed on uh, a house on the beach by the way which was gorgeous um, uh, he'd taken us to Apalachicola and we'd actually been to Mexico Beach mm -hmm. so I had been I'd been all the way to Mexico Beach and had tried to you know and then when I looked up Panama City I'm like wait a minute you know I make it a little wider wait a minute I know where this is <laughs> I've been there well not here but I'm you know Around so I there. felt I felt a little better <laughs> at least I've been been in the neighborhood you know so anyway negotiations talking back and forth this that and and the board decided that they wanted me and I said alhamdulillah that's really good except there's only one problem I have no idea when I'm going to get out of here <laughs> I, have, <Right>. <laughs> I have no idea I said it's not up to us I said we went through Ramadan. They said after Ramadan, it's been after Ramadan. Now we're into June. Mm -hmm. Now we're into June, and they keep saying next week, two weeks from now, we're going to open the border. And so, when they offered me the position, they said we'll start you July first. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I said I seriously, you know, these people are just keep delaying, keep delaying. And I said, Haram, I can't, I can't put down July first when I know in my heart, I just know I'm not going to make July first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said, let's make it August first, and inshallah, I'll be there, and you know, August first, and be able to take over. Mm mm. Yeah, now we're gonna. <laughs> I, did, I didn't, I didn't get here till I didn't physically get to Panama City until August nineteenth, and we started school August twentieth. Not bad. <laughs> I know. I got here the day before and I started school. Alhamdulillah. And I had never I had never met the teachers. I had never seen the school. I walked in the first day and I'm like, okay, welcome to bed. 
<laughs> it was quite an experience, but alhamdulillah, it's been it's been a really good one. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, it's, I feel I feel really at home, and everybody's been so welcoming, and um, it's just different, you know. It's just it's my style is different, and I'm just a different kind of a person, and. Um, Alhamdulillah, I think I'm getting a reputation for being firm but fair, which I'll take. I'll take yeah. that because, you know, at the end of the day, if you do the right things and you do it for the right reasons and it's it's for the betterment of the whole school and my philosophy is I'm trying to help the teachers and help the, help the staff make good Muslim students mm-hmm. that Definitely. will become Muslim adults yeah. in the end, you know, and... If we, Islam. Absolutely. And if we if we bend the rules or if we bend it for here, we bend it for there, eventually it's, you know, after a while, even when you bend it too much, it's going to break. Yeah. So my philosophy is if if it's the right thing, even, you know, it's going to it's going to upset teachers. It's going to upset parents. It's going to upset students at the end of the day. The end of the day, well, Lahi, I can stand before God and say, you know, I did the very best I could, mm-hmm. and I had the very best intentions, and I tried to follow the best advice and the best way to do to do it for Allah, you know. Mm-hmm. So, alhamdulillah, I'm here, alhamdulillah. and um, it's it's had a couple of, you know bumps and detours and you know COVID's been quite a challenge we started off with half the students online mm-hmm. the first day half the students were online so I didn't even see half the students by about two weeks into it uh, we were doing a hybrid model meaning we had students in the class and online at the same time mm-hmm. about two weeks into it more than half of those students that were home came back yeah <laughs> hybrid hybrid doesn't work hybrid takes a very special kind of a student mm-hmm. you have to be very dedicated you have to be you have to you know have discipline and be let's be self-study ex- okay and a lot of students are not mature enough not able to self-study let's be honest um i wasn't even in university the first the first time i went through university I wasn't. I wasn't mature enough to do self-study. I, I, that's why I didn't get a teaching license. Mm-hmm. It required self-study. I couldn't do it to save my life. And I was in university, and I was married. So, you know, how do we expect little children to do this? I, I mean, God bless them. My, my, my daughter-in-law, uh, my, my grandchildren are, are home. They're, they're at home. They're online. They're virtual completely. But my daughter-in-law sits with them every day the older one is in third grade and he's he's very he's very mature and he can do it but his sister's in first grade mm-hmm. my, my granddaughter's in first grade and she pff, 10 minutes and she's bouncing off the you know she's up and going to the bathroom going to the kitchen go you know uh, it's just nuts and so here after two weeks I didn't I didn't have to push or nothing it was the parents mm-hmm. the parents found out how really hard that is and that the kids are not sitting and doing virtual so over half the people came back so now we have very little numbers trickling in um people are not so scared they understand because our system was uh, we're taking temperatures before they even get out of the car Mm -hmm. we don't want them to come in the school and then find out they have a temperature so we do it in the car 
we sanitize everything we don't let the kids mingle um, they're in their they're in their classes they go outside they do these kinds of things but they don't mingle so we're doing everything well law it's law it was everything that the CDC has recommended we've been doing from day one right wearing masks all day you know trying to you know trying to do all these things mm -hmm. alhamdulillah so after about like i said after about two weeks half more than half were back and so we're trickling in one by one by one and we were down to um just a few here and there a third grader a fifth grader um a seventh grader one 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 and i'm like you know this is this is just not working we need to get we need to get these kids back because the te I'm sorry, but you'd have to be Superman to do hybrid. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work. Yeah. Because when you're paying attention to the person on the screen, you're not paying attention to the class. And if you're paying attention to the class, you're not paying attention to the person on the screen. It's like teaching two classes. It is. It, oh, it was. And so it, they're getting 50-50. I mean, I'm sorry, but they're just getting 50-50. And for a lot, a majority of those those one student here, one student there, they were failing. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but they were just failing. It just wasn't working for them. And so I talked to the parents individually and said, you know, this is this is not working, obviously. Whatever you're doing, whatever we're doing, it's just not clicking. So please bring the kids back. So alhamdulillah, we've got everybody back. Um, only eighth grade is still online. Mm-hmm. And um, alhamdulillah, everybody else, other than other than 11 and 12, which has always been online. And even yeah. that, even at that, they're, they're still struggling with the mature. It's that self-directed self study, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. Getting up, getting to the classes, um, even though later on they still attend university online. But, um, yeah, it's been a struggle. But alhamdulillah, I think... Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I think overall we've done a really good job under the circumstances. So I've got a really good team of teachers, and they've tried really hard to make this year as um, fun and as interesting as possible. Yeah, and um, I want to go back to um, what made you go to Islam? What led you to the Islam itself? Oh, it's a funny story. <laughs> 38 years ago. 38 years ago, I met my husband. Um, he lived in one dorm. I lived in another dorm. Um, my dorm had um, the lobby, and then the first floor were men, mm -hmm. and then my where I lived, and then another floor of girls above us. Uh, why did we have men in my building? Uh, because my building had kitchens, and uh, there were a lot of um, people from overseas who didn't like dorm food, if you will, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, they would cook their own food and the consequence of that was that my building had a ping-pong table and my husband would come over and play ping-pong with we had people from Nigeria from Vietnam from Bangladesh from um, all over and they were very good ping-pong players very competitive very very good ping-pong players my husband loved ping-pong and um, he would come play ping pong in the lobby. And you, how many people can play ping pong? Up to four. Well, but typically two. Yeah. So while he's waiting to play, to take his turn, he would come over and he would sit and talk with me. <laughs> so we spent hours and hours and hours talking. And anyway, uh, 
we met about Halloween, and by about the first of first of January, he comes and he goes. Um, I've been pressured or put under scrutiny um, to either marry you or move to South Dakota because we don't date. You know, mm-hmm. our culture, we just don't date. And I'm looking at him like he's, you know, crazy. And and I said, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, he said, I want to stay with you. I want to marry you. And I said, okay. And then he goes, there's only one, you know, there's obviously a lot of problems, but what's the biggest problem was at that particular time, I wasn't anything. Okay, I was yeah. I, I had never been baptized. Um, I wasn't I wasn't Mormon, I wasn't Christian, I wasn't Jewish, I wasn't Muslim, I wasn't anything. And he was like, I can't marry a nothing. And I'm like, okay. And the story is that my mom my mom was Mormon and my dad was uh, Catholic. And they couldn't they they dated, but their families, both families were very um, dead set against them getting married. So the solution was I came along seven months later. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Mom and Dad had a Catholic uh, Catholic wedding and a Mormon reception. And so my mom had not converted to Catholicism, but she'd taken the whatever she needed to do for the wedding. And then my dad got baptized and so as a Mormon. And anyway, a few years later, my mom decided she she didn't want to have anything to do with any church. So the Mormons baptized their children at eight years old. So at eight years old, it was my turn to get baptized. All my friends, let's put it this way, all my friends, because where we lived was Utah, and it's very Mormon. And I lived in a very small, um, 99% community Mormon. So it's, you know. Quick question. Um, why did your mother decide to leave? Uh, she just she just decided she'd done a little reading and found out that the Mormon Church was a was basically a crock. It was uh, she'd done some reading by the Tanners and found out that he made up Joseph Smith made up everything. And so she she kind of threw the baby. The, the saying is they threw the baby out with the bathwater. You mm-hmm. know, she just threw everything out the door. So, you know, if, if Mormonism is bad, then everything is bad. So, that's, that, was her, that was her choice, I guess. So, by the time I get to be eight years old, I'm not baptized. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was not baptized. Uh, Catholics baptized babies. And I was never baptized because at that time they were practicing Mormons. Mm-hmm. So, I hadn't, had not been baptized as a baby. And then, I, eight years old, I'm not baptized as a Mormon. Fast forward a few more years. At 14, my father comes home one day, and I swear to God, he knows this is the truth. I had never seen my parents fight. Like, like I mean, really argue. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, they had, they had little tiffs and, you know, things like that. But I had never seen them argue. And my dad comes home one day and goes, uh, our daughter needs to either get baptized or she needs to quit going to church. And the church, meaning the Mormon church. Yeah. And my mom goes, well, what do you mean? You know, suddenly, you know, this is like, she's, I'm 14. How can this suddenly? And he goes, because the guys at the coffee shop, my dad was a farmer. He would get up every day, go drink coffee at the local coffee shop. And the coffee shop boys were giving him a bad time because the Mormons pay 10% called tithing. And they pay it once a month. My, I'd been going to church and doing activities and going to primary, all these things 
for the last 14 years and never paid a penny. Mm. So here I am taking all these advantage, you know, trips and, you know, activities and, you know, all these going to, you know, basically using the, using the facilities, using the services, using all these things and never paid anything. So my dad said, we got to make up our minds. And my mom goes, well, don't you think that that's up to her? And my dad goes, yeah. So suddenly I'm on this and they were, they were fighting back and forth, you know, and the gist of it was I needed to make up my mind. Mm-hmm. It would be my choice because that was what the fight was about. Is she old enough to make up her mind? And my mom's like, well, yeah. So um, the gist of that was is I took a little time to read. Um, my mom gave me the books by the Tanners and things like that. And I decided it wasn't what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. to not want to be baptized. And subsequent to that, I lost all my friends, my so-called friends. They all just... They just all dropped me like hot potatoes. So I grew up with basic, from then on, it was, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to church. I didn't have the friends. I didn't make new friends. And by that time we'd moved. And anyway, so it really was a nothing. Yeah. To be honest, I really was a nothing. So when he asked me to marry him and he goes, I can't marry a nothing. And I, I said, well, what do I have to do? And he said, well, you have to become Muslim. And I said, okay, how do I become Muslim? And he said, you say the Shahada. And I said, oh, you know, Bismillah. And I'm, you know, my, my Arabic was so bad. <laughs> but, and I, I, I did it in front of him. You know, we didn't, there was no mosque. Mm-hmm. The only mosque was an hour away. Um, I'm not even sure. There might have been an imam. There must have been an imam, but I don't even remember who it was because we never went. So I have no idea who that was. So there was no mosque. There was no. You know, I know sometimes around here people get certificates. I I don't know, but anyway, I heard of that. I I didn't do. You know, didn't get it stamped or approved or you know anything like that. It was just um, because we ended up getting married in front of a judge. We had a civil marriage. Okay. We we had a civil marriage. And so I want to give you this uh, final moments to give any advice to anyone that's watching. Right. Um, just be authentic. And uh, the one thing that I try and tell my teachers, I don't care whether they're Western teachers or Islamic teachers or whatever, but not everything is haram. <laughs> and you just, you just need to keep that in mind and try to, try to put yourself in the mindset of these kids these days that... They want to try things. They want to look at things. They want to, you know, they're being bombarded by all this information. Mm-hmm. And if you tell them that everything is haram or everything is bad or this or that, they're they're gonna you're gonna drive them away from Islam. Mm-hmm. Whereas my my philosophy on Islam is that you you yourself can make it as harsh as you wish. If you want to make everything difficult, if you want to make everything, you know don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You could. But at the same time, I my personal philosophy is you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're truly just just looking at things, just trying things, trying to understand things that if they have the foundation, if they have the beliefs, if they have the the knowledge that it's okay to look at things or to talk about things mm-hmm. or discuss things yeah. Because if you don't, like, it was like I always told my teachers before, especially elementary teachers, it's okay to talk about pigs. They need to know this is, this is God's creature. He put it on this planet. It's here. We need to talk about it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, we don't eat snakes. We don't eat, you know, we don't eat dogs. But just because we don't eat pigs doesn't mean we can't talk yeah. about it, right? Yeah, you should explain everything. Exactly. And not only that, but they need to know the word sausage. They need to know the word ham. They need to know the word bologna so that then they can stay away from it. Exactly. Right? Whereas it was the only reason why I bring this up is because overseas we had parents that were like, you literally, you can't talk about that. And I'm like, uh, no, we need, we, I'm, I'm of the philosophy, we need to talk about it. doesn't mean that I'm advocating that the kid go out and have a pepperoni pizza. But, but it's, it's because he needs that knowledge. He needs that information yeah. so that he can make that choice and say, no, I don't want pepperoni pizza, but why? Right? Exactly. So, it's, 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 so I think we, in my philosophy, it's all about education, mm-hmm. you know? If, if, if every subject is taboo or every you can't talk about that, you can't talk about that, then they're not going to know about it. Yeah, they're not going to know at why. all, at all. And, and, and I think hiding things or keeping things hidden or not discussing them is, is a bad thing because then it, you're in a position, especially older people, adults and, and things like that, are in a position to help the student and explain why we shouldn't do it, mm-hmm. okay? You know, it's not because pepperoni is bad or this. or No, it's just because it's made from pork and we don't eat pork and because because God told us not to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also the pig is dirty and they don't sweat, so then all the bacteria they have is directly exactly. into the meat. So so, so there, is, there is a logic. See, this is what people forget. You and I know that the logical reason is all these things. Yeah. But sometimes I think people get into a rush, okay? Mm-hmm. Think about this. People get into a rush and don't take the time to explain. It's just easier to say, no, you can't do that. It's just easier, right? Yeah. It's just, I don't have the time. I don't have the, I don't have the energy. I don't have, no, you need to make the time. That's the most important thing I think I can tell parents or, or people in a position of, of talking to youth. Make the time to explain. These are little people. You like an explanation. You like to know logic. You like to know reasons. You like to know why. Take the time to explain it. If they're mm-hmm. asking that question, that means they're thinking about it. Exactly. And if they're thinking about it, you need to take the time and the effort and the and the and the right way to present it so that okay, that's logical. I understand now. I can go on and they'll quit obsessing about it. Exactly. Because if, 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 if they obsess about it and they don't get a logical reason... Then they will reject the idea. Okay, or they'll, they'll go on and discover their own fundamental way of explaining it or what, whatever, which is, may or may not be from an Islamic perspective. Exactly. So that's my education, education, education. Yep. Well, thank you for your time. That was an amazing ex- explanation. <laughs> thank you for having me, and it's it's a joy to to share. And and like I said, I I'm a lifelong learner, and a lifelong teacher.